Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Thank you for coming back this week after last week talking about hell and uh, this week talking about it again. Thank you for coming back and joining us. Um, we're doing a four-week series called Heaven and Hell, and really it's a good news, bad news kind of a sermon series. We're starting with the bad news first. We're looking at for a couple of weeks of what the Bible talks about as hell. We're not looking at what other authors have said. I'm not looking at what other books have been written or things that have been uh, taught about. I just want to know, what did Jesus himself say about hell? It's an important concept that we talk about because Jesus himself talked more about hell than any other person in the Bible. So he had a lot to say about it. There's a lot of things that he gave us with it. And so it's important that we begin to talk about this. Also, the concept of hell is not taught in our culture today. Most pastors today would feel more comfortable giving you a, a self-help kind of message than they would giving you a message on what the Bible talks about as heaven and hell. But the Bible talks a lot about about this, and it's really important that we understand the truths about it. Uh, last week, if you were here with us in part one of just looking at what the Bible says, what Jesus himself said about hell, you will remember that we talked about hell being a real, literal place, that Jesus did not talk about this as uh, metaphorical. He did not talk about it as an analogy. He talked about it as a real, literal place. So hell is a real destination with a real existence. He talked about hell. Jesus talked about about hell being a place of emotional and physical pain, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. He talked about it as a place of outer darkness, where you have been removed from the goodness of God, from the common grace of God that we learned about last week. Hell was a place of continuous suffering and regret, and it was also an eternal destination, meaning that hell isn't temporary, it is a, uh, it's an ongoing, it's an eternal destination. In the book of Revelation, at the end of all of the events of the Bible, the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, it says this of hell. It says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. John then goes on to write and say, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, every person who had ever really been born. They were standing before the throne. The books were open. 
And then another book was opened, which was the Book of Life. The Book of Life is, uh, has names written in it of people who have trusted in Jesus as Savior. When you get saved, your name is put in the Book of Life, the Lamb's Book of Life. These books were opened, and the Book of Life was opened. And the, the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up its dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If any, anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Where we had just read earlier that they will be tormented day and night forever. This is a serious topic with serious consequences, and the decisions you make today really are important in your life. And that's what we're going to look at today. What I want to look at specifically today is more of what Jesus said. He gave a parable that gives us a glimpse to what hell is actually going to be like. In fact, Jesus in this parable gives us eight principles of what hell will be like, literally like, for people who wind up there. So today, we're going to look at the parable found in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 31. We're going to read it, then we're going to pray, then we're going to look at these eight principles together. Here's what the Word of God says. Now there was a rich man dressed in purple and fine linen. He was living it up in luxury every day. But a poor man named Lazarus had been laid at his gate, covered with sores, longing to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming up to this poor man, Lazarus, to lick his sores. The only friends he had were the dogs that were licking his sores. But there was another guy, a rich man, who was just living it up every day. He had achieved the societal dream, the world's dream. He had been successful. He was an influencer. He had money. He had power. He had prestige. He had material belongings. He was living it up, oblivious to what was going on in the world around him. Now, it happened that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Then the rich man also died and was buried. And from Sheol, as he was in torment, he raised his eyes and he sees Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Now, who is Abraham? Abraham goes back to the book of Genesis. In Hebrew culture, Abraham was seen as the patriarch of the faith of the Jewish people. He was an important person in the history of the Jewish people, really the foundation of the nation of Israel came out of, the, out, out of Abraham. So he was important. He was there in heaven with Lazarus at his side. Now, this, this rich man who was in Sheol cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue because I am suffering torment in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your life you received your good things, even as Lazarus received the bad things. But he is comforted here and you are tormented. So you lived a life of luxury. You lived for yourself. You denied God. You turned your back on God. You were selfish. You got what you wanted, a wonderful life. But now you reap the consequences. He went through hard times, but he trusted in God. Now he is reaping the consequences of his choices. You're tormented. He's comforted. Besides all of this, 
Between us and you, a great chasm is firmly set, so that those who want to cross over to you cannot, nor can those from there cross over to us. Then the rich man said, I beg you then, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers to warn, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham says, they have Moses, they have the prophets, they have the Bible, they have all of the Bible at the time of Jesus. Let them listen to those things that were said. But this rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if, but if someone will, from the dead goes to them, they will repent if they see that. If they do not listen to Moses, Abraham said, and they don't listen to the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Let's pray, and let's look at these eight principles that Jesus gives of what literally hell is going to be like. Father, I pray that today that our hearts would be motivated and moved by you to make a decision for you, that we would trust you with all of our hearts, that there would not be a person who leaves this room today who has not made a personal decision to trust you to accept your gift of salvation and to make sure they are right in their hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would not have to fear hell, but that we would be able to look forward to eternity with you in heaven. Help us, Lord, not to sacrifice eternity for the things of this world, but hold these things in this world loosely and hold on to you tightly. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be motivated by gratefulness to you because you saved us and we would hold on to that amazing grace. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would also be motivated by sorrow, sorrow for loved ones that we know, family members that we know, friends that we know, work associates that we know, just even strangers that we know that they're on the road to hell. Help our hearts to be broken over that. And I pray, Father, that we would not only have a sorrowful heart, but we would have urgency in our hearts, that we would urgently want to talk to them and speak to them and reach out to them and love them and share your gospel with them before it is too late. Because once it's too late, Lord, there's no going back. So, Father, help us to have gratitude and sorrow and urgency in our hearts today. Teach us your truth, Lord, not my words. We want to hear the words of Jesus himself, and then we can make a choice if we want to believe those words or not. Father, we thank you for being here. We invite you to this place. We want you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to look at the eight things that Jesus says from this parable that we can understand that this is what hell is going to be like. This is what people who are destined for hell are going to experience in hell. Again, it should, it should cause us to feel gratitude and amazing grace for what Jesus did in saving us. If you have been saved, if you've been trusted in Jesus, we should also, though, feel that sorrow and that sense of urgency for people around us that we know that they are headed this direction. I have found myself, even as, if I, as I've been preparing for these messages, more aware when I'm in big groups of people thinking to myself, how many of these people really know the Lord and how many of them are on that wide path headed toward hell? 
it's a, it's a sobering thought, and it should really change us. It should really motivate us to want to do something as a result of the things that Jesus is going to say. So let's look at this together. We're going to look at these eight principles and uh, think about what hell is going to be like. So principle number one that we need to understand about what Jesus said about hell is this. In hell, number one, you will go to a specific place after physical death, either paradise or torment. And so those are the two things that Jesus says. You will go to a specific place after you physically die. When a person dies physically, they do not die spiritually. They do not die uh, mentally, emotionally. They're going to still exist, but they will be going to a different location, a different plane. They will be going either to what Jesus describes as paradise or torment. Let's look at that together. Verses 22 and 23, here's what it says. It happened that the poor man died, and he was carried by the angels to a place called Abraham's side. That's one of the locations. He was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Now, the rich man also died, and he was buried, his physical body buried. But even though physically he was buried, he went to a place called Sheol. So physically you die, but spiritually you either go to Abraham's side or to a place called Sheol. So let's talk about what are those two things. Let me start with Abraham's side. Now Abraham's side is what the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, before Jesus came on the scene, what they would have always thought heaven to be. It was the place where Abraham was. Abraham was the father of, the mul of this multitude of nations. He was the father of Israel, and he was the founder of the faith that God had a relationship with. And so the Jewish people would look at Abraham as the one who is there in eternity. They would refer to it as Abraham's side. Or in other translations of the Bible, you'll see Abraham's bosom. You'll see it uh, say next to Abraham or with Abraham or in the arms of Abraham. Those are just all ways that it's translated. But it all means this. It is the place of glory where God is that you can be. That's what it is. It's heaven. That's what this place is. Abraham's side is the place of joy. The place of comfort. It's the place of protection. Abraham is there. He is protecting you. You're next to his side. You're where God is. Abraham is not God, but he had a close relationship with God. That's where we are going to go. This is where the poor man went. He went to Abraham's side there in heaven. So you have two choices. You have on one side, you have the choice of heaven with God in eternity where there is comfort, joy, peace, and protection, or you have this other place called Sheol. Now, what is Sheol? Well, Sheol is a Hebrew word, so this is a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word Sheol just means the, the place of death, the pit of death. Out of Sheol, in the Greek language, it's the word called Hades. Out of the word Hades is where we get the word hell. Now, hell being Hades, being Gehenna that I talked about last week, this is the two choices. You have a choice of hell or you have the choice of heaven. 
Now, Sheol or Hades or hell is called the lower region. It's called the lower place. So here's what Jesus is saying. There's two choices. The choice is heaven or the choice is hell. There is nothing else. There is no in-between. There is nothing in the Bible that refers to a place called purgatory, that the Catholics have invented this concept. The idea of purgatory was as a holding ground. You didn't go to heaven. You didn't go to hell. You went to purgatory. It was a place of holding. And what the Catholics did in the Middle Ages, especially with this concept of purgatory, was it was a way to grow the church. We will be in control, and you can have a loved one, and you can pray for them, or you can pay, and we will pray for them, and maybe they can escape purgatory and actually go to heaven. That is not biblical. There's nothing biblical about that. Jesus says two places, heaven or hell. That's it. Only two. Other religions will come up with all kinds of concepts of what this is going to be like. For example, in a lot of the New Age belief systems, you'll have the idea of reincarnation. Reincarnation is, depending upon how you live this life, you can be reincarnated into something better or something worse, depending upon your life here and now. There's nothing biblical about that. There's no concept in the Bible about that. That is a false teaching. There's an idea that heaven or that hell doesn't even exist. And there's many, many religions that will teach there's no such thing as hell. There are some that will teach it's only a certain number of people, like the Jehovah Witnesses will say there's only 144,000 that get into heaven. But that's again false teaching. It's not biblical teaching. Jesus himself said there is two places Abraham's side, heaven, or Sheol, hell. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no other choices. So where you go is dependent upon the decisions and the choices you make while you are physically alive. Once you die, the decision point is over. You cannot make a decision once you have physically died. You have up until the time that you breathe your last to make a decision on what that eternal destination is going to be. It is demonic other belief systems that distort God's truth of heaven and hell. And so we need to just listen to what Jesus said, not anybody else. What did Jesus say? Do you believe him or not? That's really the question. So number one, you will go to a specific place after physical death, either heaven or hell, paradise or torment, Abraham's side or shield. Those are the choices. Number two. You will immediately know your fate after physical death. Again, chapter, uh, th th this chapter 16, verses 22 through 23, it happened that the poor man died, so he died, and he was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. I love that, that picture. He was carried by the angels. The word carried means brought. He was, he was just escorted by angels. What a wonderful, joyous thing. If you can picture that, that angels are escorting somebody who's died, who's trusted in the Lord, into the presence of God. How cool is that? Difference is, the rich man... It just says, also died, was buried, and was in Sheol. Was he carried? No, he was just there. That's it. He died physically and was in hell. 
Immediately, you will know your fate when you die. You can know your fate today, by the way, if you've accepted Jesus. You can have assurance in your heart that I know I'm going to be with him, and I can trust in that. But if you don't make a decision, you will know instantly where your destination is. Okay? It's not a waiting room. There's no waiting room in heaven. You're not waiting, you know, take a number and waiting for your number to be called. Instantly you will know where your destination is going to be. So it's not too late for you now to make a decision. But once you die, your destiny is settled. Your first breath in eternity is your last breath here on the earth. And so make sure your decision has been made. So that's number two. Number two was you will immediately know your fate after physical death. Again, these are the words of Jesus. Number three, your eternal existence will consist of pain and suffering in torment. So if you do not make a choice for the Lord, loved ones, friends, family members do not make a choice for the Lord, their permanent existence is going to consist of pain and suffering. That's a scary thought. Verse 23 says this, and from Sheol, as he was, notice the word, as he was in torment, he raised his eyes and he looked from where he was at. He was in torment. This is not the first time Jesus uses the word torment. In fact, it's used several times in this parable. Several times the Bible uses this to explain what hell is going to be like. You are going to be in torment. And that is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual pain that we will go through. Now, the Bible describes that the, the, the heat, the flame, is that a physical thing? Well, it kind of seems like it is from the things that Jesus said, but there's more. There's a lot of emotional and physical and spiritual pain. If you are going in and having a surgery done, they will most likely give you anesthesia. And anesthesia will knock you out. And when you're unconscious, you don't feel the pain. But when you're conscious and they start cutting on you, you feel the pain. I remember going to the dentist and the dentist, I had a cavity and the dentist gave me all of the shots to numb my mouth and I thought it was numb and then he started drilling on my tooth and then all of a sudden he hit a nerve and that nerve was not numb and it hurt like crazy as soon as he hit that nerve. This is the talking about a conscious feeling. A conscious memory, a conscious time in life that you will know. The word torment is the Greek word uh, basanos, which means anguish, torture, torment, and pain. So Jesus says, look, hell is going to be a place that is going to consist of pain, suffering, and torment. Revelation chapter 14, it says this. Another angel, a third one, followed them, saying in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he shall also drink of the wine of God's fury 
poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. And he shall be, notice these words, he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone before the holy angels and before the lamb. The smoke of their, again, word torment goes up. How long does it last? Forever and ever. Those who worship the beast, its image, those who receive the mark of his name have no rest day or night. So no rest day or night. So we have torment, torment forever and ever. No rest day or night. This is what is described as hell. I mean, how serious is this? This is a serious thing that Jesus is talking about. It's a serious decision that we are called to make because hell is a place of pain and suffering in torment. Number four, you will know something about what is going on in paradise while you're in torment. You'll know. You'll know when you're in hell, you will know what's going on in paradise, and I hope that you don't get to experience that. I hope no one here experiences that, but if you do, you'll know what's going on in paradise. Here's what it says in verse 23. And from Sheol, from Hades, from hell, as this man was in torment, he raised his eyes, and he sees Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. You will know and be consumed with what might have been if you had only listened, if you'd only made a decision, if you'd only accepted the Lord, if you'd only committed your life to him, if I'd only believed what the pastor said, if I'd only believed what the evangelist said, if I had only listened to what that song was saying, if I'd only listened to what my friends had said, Maybe I could have avoided this, but I can't go back and make a different choice. And so now I'm looking from hell into paradise, and I'm seeing what is going on there. How painful and how awful. And to think of loved ones, family members, that you know they weren't right with God, and you pretty confident that they're probably in hell, are experiencing what Jesus said on this very day. So that's number four. You will know something about what is going on in paradise while in torment. Number five, your prayers for mercy will not be answered in torment. You know, God is a gracious God. He shows mercy to us all the time. You can probably think of ways that God has answered prayers in your life. The ways that he has shown you mercy, even when we didn't deserve it. He showed us mercy. He showed us kindness. He was compassionate. Even to people who have rejected him, he's still been compassionate too. But that's not going to be the way it is in torment. Because in torment... Your cries, your prayers for mercy will not be answered. Here's what it says in verses 24 and 25. This man cried out in torment and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Please help me. Send Lazarus so he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue. Because look what's happening. I am, I am suffering torment in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your life, you lived it for yourself, you lived it how you wanted to live it, 
you received your good things, even as Lazarus received the bad things. But now he is comforted, you are tormented. So what is he saying in all of it? Your prayers, your cries, your desires to have mercy. Come and cool my tongue. Sorry, there is nothing left. When you are there, God's presence will not be there. Others will not be there. There will be no mercy there. It is over. It is it. It is finished. There is no moving on. Number six, sixth thing that Jesus said of what hell is going to be like. You will remember what happened in your life while you're in torment. So while you're in hell, you will remember what happened in your life. Verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember. See, you can remember. You will retain those memories. Remember in your life, you got everything you wanted. You didn't want God, so you didn't get him. But you got everything you wanted. You got material things. You got rich. You got influence. You were wealthy. You had everything you wanted. In your life, you received the good things, even as Lazarus received the bad. Now he's comforted here. You are tormented. I think probably one of the worst things about torment will be memory. Because you will be there. And you will have the ability to remember every message ever preached, every friend who ever talked to me, everything that I ever heard, it will all be flooded back because I will retain the memories. So Jesus says, you will remember this. You will remember what happened in your life while you are there in hell. How scary these things are. Number seven. You will not be able to pass from torment to paradise, nor can anyone pass from paradise to torment. So here's what he's saying. Verse 26, besides all of this, he says, we can't come to you and dip the finger and, and, and cool off your tongue because between us and you, a great chasm is firmly set so that those who want to cross over to you cannot, nor can those from there cross over to us. Between, between us, between heaven and hell, it is a gulf, kind of like think the Grand Canyon kind of a thing. It is bridgeless. It is, you cannot pass this. You can't get beyond this. You can't go back and forth. People who are in heaven cannot go to where you are. People in hell cannot go to heaven where they are. It's impossible to bridge this gap. And because of that, you can see what's going on. You can know what's going on, but there is no way to bridge the gap. Did you know that in our relationship with God, that there is a great chasm that exists between us and God. So between me and God, a great chasm exists. And how do we get ourselves between our, where we're at and where God is? Well, most people think, well, if I, if I try really hard, I'll just be a good person. I'll have more good than bad, and I'll try to be a good person. Well, that maybe gets me that far. Or maybe I think, you know, I'll go to church. I'll just go to church and I'll attend church and attending church. Maybe it'll get me that far. And I'll just give money and be charitable and maybe it'll get me that far. 
no works, no effort, no ways of trying to bridge the gap between us and God can get us to where he is. The only thing that can possibly bridge the gap between where I am and where God is, is Jesus himself. And the cross of Jesus bridges the gap between ourselves and God. In hell, there will be no gap bridger. Jesus died once, but once you physically die, there is no more way to trust in him. There will be a great chasm that will exist, whereas in torment, you cannot pass to paradise, and in paradise, you could not pass over to where torment is. That's the seventh thing that he says. Number eight, the final thing that Jesus says is this. You can have genuine concern for others while you're in torment. You'll find yourself there, filled with regret, filled with pain, filled with uh, all of the memories of your life, remembering back in all the times you could have accepted the Lord. You'll be filled with regret, filled with pain, and then you'll realize, I have family members that haven't physically died. I don't want them to come here. And so that's exactly what happened. Verse 27 and 28, then the rich man said, you know, whatever for me, uh, it's too late for me, but I beg you, then Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers to warn so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham says, look, they have Moses, they have the prophets, they have everything in the Old Testament. That should tell you enough. Let them listen to them. But he said, no, Father Abraham, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. What was he referring to? Jesus himself. And what does he say? No, they won't. Even seeing a miracle, even seeing the miraculous, they will not listen. If they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they're not going to be convinced if someone rises from the dead. So what is the principle? You can have genuine concern, but your concern there's nothing you can do about it. That's what hell is going to be like according to what Jesus himself says. A place of suffering, a place of torment, a place of pain, a place where you retain your memories, a place where you can see what's going on in heaven but you can't get there. A place where, where you hurt for the people that you know are going to follow in your footsteps and you long to warn them but you can't. Why? Because every decision made is a personal decision that every person is responsible for before they die. And once you die, the decision point is over. It is too late. Your destiny is set and you cannot change. So how, how do we, again, just like last week, how do we wrap this up? Where, what do, we, where do we go from there? You know, all of these principles that Jesus says... Well, he gives us one more opportunity, and the opportunity is this, that God's method of bringing people to paradise is only through Jesus Christ. You may ask yourself, well, how, how do I get to where God is? If there's a, ga a, a gap here, I'm here, and God is over here, how can I get myself to him? 
Can I just be a good person? Can I hope for reincarnation? Can I earn my way there? Can I be one of the 144,000 chosen ones? Can I, you know, be a, be a good person and just go knock on doors? How can I get myself there where God is? Well, God's chosen way is only through Jesus. I want to share some verses with you. I'm only going to share maybe maybe eight verses. There are there are dozens and dozens of verses, but Jesus is the only way. He is the only gap bridger. He is the only way that we can get to eternity. It is through a personal relationship. It's not about the church. It's not about attending a certain church. It's not about giving to the church. It's not about singing a few songs, listening to a message. It's about you and God, a personal decision that has to be made. Jesus said this, John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. It is through Jesus. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 8.24, Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am the Messiah, you will die in your sins. In John 3.16, such a familiar verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There is two destinations that you can choose from, heaven or hell. I know without a doubt every person in this room would say, I don't want hell. Nobody, nobody would choose that at all. Not a single person would choose that. Okay, well, how can I avoid hell? Jesus says, I'm the only way. You believe in me. You trust me. You give your heart to me. You follow me. I'll forgive you. I'll take your punishment for you, but you have to put your faith in me and follow me. When you make that decision, you have set yourself free from a destination called Sheol or Hades or hell. That's the ultimate decision that has to be made in life. If you have not made that decision, by the time you die, it's too late. And how many of you know the time you're going to die? Nobody does. You can walk out and get hit by a bus. I don't want you to panic or anything. Don't live your life in panic. But you could. You could drop dead from a heart attack. You could get some kind of a illness or a disease. We don't know when our time is. That's why we have to make sure that we are ready to meet God at any moment's notice. There's no better time than today for you to make the decision to say, Jesus, I know I deserve hell, but I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking you to come into my life and I'm going to commit my life to you and follow you for the rest of my days because I want to be with you. This sliver of time in this world is nothing compared to what eternity will be with you in your kingdom. So as we close, I want to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me if you've not ever prayed, that you would pray, Lord, come into my life and save me. I want to be right with you. I want to follow you. 
I want to give my heart to you. Would you pray with me as we close this out today? Father God, this is such a serious decision. Lord, we cannot live in denial of death. We can't live in denial of physical death. Lord, we can't live in denial of eternity. We need to be woken up so that we realize what we are looking at someday. I pray, Lord, that today that every person in this room would make sure that they are right with you, that they would have accepted you into their hearts and would commit their lives to you, and that their names today would be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. For when that Lamb's Book is opened, we will be accepted into your presence for all eternity. Lord, if there are any in this room that have never accepted you, I would encourage them today, Lord, to pray after me. Father, please forgive me. I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I deserve to go to hell. But I want to thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for me. You took the punishment that I deserved upon yourself. And you have given me an opportunity to be with you forever. Lord, I want to accept you into my life, and I want to commit my life to you. Please, Lord, do that work in me, and thank you that you're willing to forgive me. Father, if there's any that have prayed that, encourage them. Help them to know that they're your child now, that you love them, and that you are looking forward to spending eternity with them. Lord, these messages on hell are, are sobering, they're painful, they're hard to hear. But Lord, I pray that they would cause us to be grateful for your grace. They would cause us to be sorrowful for the people around us we know that are not right with you. And that we would be motivated and urgent to speak for you everywhere we go. Father, for the rest of this day and week, be with us, be present in our lives. Help us every step of the way. As we leave this place, Lord, help us to be a mobilized army in this community to reach out to those who are perishing and desperately in need of you. Father, thank you for this day. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close as we did last week with just a blessing that I want to read over you as we leave this place. So if you would please stand. I want to read this blessing. This is called the, uh, the blessing of Aaron or the Aaronic blessing. Uh, it's not the blessing of me, Aaron. It was out of the book of, of Numbers. Moses read it over Aaron, who was the priest, and he was reading it over the people of Israel as they were, they were living life and doing life for God. And this is a blessing I want to read over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May you go in God's peace and have a wonderful week. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we talk about heaven. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. 
Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.